0: Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Hassan with another episode of The Influence Continuum. And I am got a big smile on my face if you look at the video. I'm <laughs> with an old friend and colleague, Rachel Bernstein, uh, who I've known for decades and worked together with. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist in LA, California and she's been specializing in helping people recover from cults. So you were doing the cult clinic in LA and New York. Uh, you've gotten into cult intervention and reacclimation for, th- uh, you say, for 30 years. You're on the mm-hmm. advisory board of the International Cultic Studies Association, and you've worked with the Department of Justice providing support to cult victims who testify against their perpetrators. Excellent. And you were in the documentary, Seduced, about the Mm Nexium cult with me. I had a a cameo on hypnosis, but I think you were in your office with um, India Oxenberg, if I'm remembering correctly, Mm -hmm. uh, whose mother is Catherine Oxenberg and uh, was a major force in exposing... Uh, and bringing Keith Ranieri to justice for trafficking and Mm. racketeering and a whole host of other things. You've Mm -hmm. done a ton of media, CNN, MSNBC, BBC, NPR, Mm -hmm. Bloomberg. Um, But most importantly, for my listeners, I want to plug your podcast, Rachel, if I may, Indoctrination. Mm -hmm. uh, and then nation is capitalized letters. And um, it's excellent. I've listened to you, and I love your little summaries at the end. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna steal that idea, but it's your, because it's your (laughs) idea, but it's a great, great touch. Mm. Um, You've also done a webinar series for cult survivors entitled Living in Freedom, and uh, you have a website, Rachel Bernstein Therapy, and I happen to be an owner of your book (laughs) that you wrote many years ago for kids. about Uh how to talk to your young ones about divorce. My parents Mm, are divorcing.
1: mm -hmm, So anyway, mm -hmm.
0: I've always appreciated your humanity, your common sense, your your integrity, your values. And uh, I've been doing this podcast, wanting to reach out to other experts in the field so that people who read my books and they go, oh, you're an expert. I'm like, yeah, but there are others I am. Mm -hmm. There's a group of us and we stand on the shoulders of other therapists. Certainly I do as a former cult member Mm -hmm. uh, and done a bunch of interviews and shout outs to people that I respect. Um, So with that, I would like to leap in and talk about 2023, Rachel, the world's (laughs) crazy, (laughs) undue influences everywhere,
1: Uh you
0: know, and there's not enough of us. To go around. Mm -hmm. We have so Mm -hmm. many people contacting us for help. And I I I know you're younger than me, but I'm like really thinking, how can I pass on my knowledge Mm -hmm. to the next generation? How and how can we destigmatize the public's ignorance about people who've been in mind control cults? Because the tendency, as you well know, is oh, there's something wrong with Steve for being in the Moonies. You know, what, what was right. it, Steve? You were weak, you were looking for a daddy figure or whatever. And I'm like, uh, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. study social psychology and uh, understand sleep mm-hmm. deprivation is very powerful and hypnosis mm-hmm. is really powerful. So with that, I'm um, Dishing to you, <laughs> Rachel. Please share a bit, a bit okay. more of your story. Maybe your dad, you know, Maynard and right. the cult clinic, and that's how I met you initially. Was through your dad, and then just what, what, what's going on that we can do to help
1: people? Mm. Mm. Okay, so <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it is so nice to talk to you. It is always nice, and I always love our our interactions, and I love our history. Um, and I've learned so much. And uh, very often um, I'll come up with an idea and someone will say, oh, is that your idea? And I think, and I'll say, well, I probably ought to prove Steve Acid. So I should probably say that. It's probably in his book somewhere. Um, but um, yes, we are we are standing on the shoulders and and we're hoping that others will stand on ours. I mean, this is sort of this way of helping ensure the future and I, I want to be a part of that as well. There is a great need. I saw this, um, th- this thing that someone posted on Facebook and, um, and they had put a sticker on their window that said a David Lynch production and it was just looking outside. And it said, now that helps explain sort of what we're looking at, that this is all this sort of dystopian kind of oddness that we're looking at. Uh, and we're trying to make sense of it, but it's hard to make sense of it. A lot of it doesn't make sense. And a lot of it is so polarized and it's um, and a, l- a lot of it is so contentious and culty. Yes. Uh, and and so I, you know, I think that we, of course, we need to work on trying to bring civility back if we can. Yes. and um, common sense. Yep. Um, and seeing if we can be less of a torch and pitchfork world. And um, meet people eye to eye, Um, and so with that, I mean, so to go. If I may
0: respond, just because you mentioned the David Lynch production, you know, masterful Mm -hmm. filmmaker, but I -hmm. have to jump in and say it's his foundation that's still pushing TM transcendental meditation as if it's a good thing. And I've been helping people for decades who've had bad experiences, Mm -hmm. including Gina Catania, Mm -hmm. who was raised in it, and Mm -hmm. describes very eloquently the abuses of the children in that cult, as well as Mm -hmm. people. I was on a panel in Stockholm, an ex-member panel, to be specific, with Judith Bork, who is uh, Maharishi's lover. And I mm. met uh, David Sissekind, uh, who did David Wants the Fly documentary, which I did a blog about in Berlin when I was in Berlin. So mm. if any, I'm not dissing meditation because I meditate, but the mm-hmm. TM, David mm-hmm. Lynch connection, warning, mm-hmm. warning. because there's not one <laughs> right. way to meditate. And Maharishi was never an enlightened master. So sorry no, for that uh, rant, but I just no,
1: it's to. a good it's a good rant and it's important and it's good to know also what people are still touting and why and how they can be even with all the information that's out there. I've always wondered about that why that people turn a purposeful blind eye. But I uh, speaking about the people who we have learned from and who we're learning with. So I'm as part of the podcast for the people who are the Patreon subscribers. I want to do a special thank you to them. So I do these bonus episodes and I'm doing these special episodes on people like uh, Robert J. Lifton and James Randi and the people that I want people to know about. And right. I interviewed um, Pat Ryan and he was talking about TM and he was trying, you know, I said, so what is it that really started to bother you? And he said, when he wanted to be a speaker at one of the TM, um, <clears throat> I don't know what it was. It was a conference or something where he was going to go and speak to some people who were um, officials of some sort. And he said that he was willing to d- give this talk, but he also wanted to tell the truth mm. and uh, about the organization. Because he thought that was in line with his spiritual teachings right. like, of honesty and, and getting to the truth. And they pulled him as a speaker when he said he was going to tell the truth, yeah. which was very interesting. So, I, so I, I'm glad you yeah.
0: mentioned Pat Ryan because he has extensive information on TM. He's really done a deep dive. Uh, he mm-hmm. told his story actually in the 1988 edition of Combating called mm-hmm. Mind Control. Right. And mm-hmm. um Good guy, just incredibly knowledgeable about about TM. And I do want to just mention Arya Siegel, who is a former ten year member. Oh, mem- oh mm-hmm. I wanted to say about Pat that he graduated Maharishi Mahesh Yogi Institute in Fairfield, Iowa, which is was accredited. Maybe it still is, but pe I, yeah. people need to understand more about the cultic destructive aspects. But then Arya Siegel is a teacher, and he's been really going hard against David Lynch Foundation, who's been trying mm. to get into VA hospitals, into school systems to teach TM. And they had tried mm. that in the 70s, but the judge said, you, you you can't call it a, a, not a religion when you're teaching it in school and a religion everywhere else. It doesn't work mm-hmm. that way. You, right. know, you, you can't put a, I think it was, can't put a sign horse on a cow and expect people <laughs> Some, it was something funny. Anyway, uh-huh. um, we'll, we'll move true. on from TM now, but yeah. <laughs> right.
1: But it's the, if it walks like a duck. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, right. I mean, early on, you know, you never know w- why you're going to do what you do. And I'm sure you weren't expecting when you went away to college that you were going to have this experience that was going to guide the rest of your life in terms of what was right. going to matter to you, and what messages you wanted to make sure people got from your experience right. that you were not expecting to have. Right. Um, but I, yeah, I think you know when you have someone who's close to you. So it wasn't my personal experience of having been in a group, but seeing the changes of, of a loved one and seeing how how drastic they were, and seeing how suddenly someone seemed unreachable and unmovable, and that there was something different in the look in their eye. And I had never seen that before. Mm-hmm. And I've had the experience, and you've probably had it too, of um, ha- talking to people who have come out of groups, and suddenly the lights come back on, like oh, you yeah. realize, oh, they just arrived. Like, and I've and I've said to people after I've been meeting with them, let's say for weeks, when I can see it that they're present, I'll say, "Welcome, nice to meet you." Yeah. Uh, and uh, and so just to know that that can be taken away, yeah. that. Connectedness with the self um, is a very startling thing, and just to know throughout history that that's been used and abused, and that there are people out there more than willing to do that, which is also startling. Just to know we roam the planet with people who will freely abuse that power um, for for their own gain, and sometimes just for their own entertainment, which is even worse. But right. there there is something. There was something that happened when it became dinner table conversation for me where um, my dad, well, I mean, I was raised in kind of an activist home. And I may have, you know, mentioned this story to you, but I remember going to a lot of government rallies and visiting refuseniks in Russia, the Jewish uh, people who were not able to practice religion or leave. And sometimes going to political rallies with my mom and we'd be making signs. I was always making signs. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and so we'd be leaving the house and my dad would be in the, in the doorway and he'd say, have fun, don't get arrested. You know, sort of the greeting, the ending, the, you know, uh-huh. have a good day. So, but it was, if something matters to you, you do something about it, you say something about it for whatever, you know, it, to sure. whatever end. Sure. but still it's important to be a part of the process if you can. So then we were faced with a loved one who got ensnared and and it it spoke to my dad. It spoke to my mom too, but my dad really ran with it because it, there was something about this. It was unconscionable to him that people could be out there stealing other people's children. Well, uh, if I, I can
0: in, interrupt for one second and just say, yeah. having known your dad, I consider uh-huh. him a sadiq which is in the mm-hmm. Jewish religion, a righteous man. And honestly, my recollection is he was just very aware of the Holocaust and that mm-hmm. informed his perspective mm-hmm. on authoritarian cultism because he, mm-hmm. like me, looked at Hitler as a political cult leader.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
0: that <laughs> motivated both of us to be like, "What? not on our watch if we can right. do anything about it.
1: Right. Yeah. And, and yes. And I remember him talking about some of the, the, I mean, we, I was raised on a lot of this footage too, going to Jewish day schools and Jewish summer camps and the, seeing the Nazi rallies and, and at night with the bonfires and with music and with all of the things that then, you know, when you watch, let's say um, a Scientology rally that they have indoors, it's not different. Right. and so there's so much that can work people up into a froth, right? And make them disconnected, I think, from their own conscience and and right. this the evidence of what's happening, what's really real around them. Um, so, uh, so I just saw it around me, and then uh, you know I went to Boston University, as you know, and we hung out while I was there, and. I saw front names of different organizations, and I saw the Boston Church of Christ being a thing there right. and going to the, the rabbi there. And he said, oh, no, Jews, Jews don't get involved in cults, which meant he ha, knew ha, nothing. Ha. Right. And then I went to the head of Marsh Chapel and I said, there's an issue. Dean
0: Fonberg. Yes. Oh,
1: that's
0: right. Well, I went to BU also, but not the same year that you went. But yeah, they were very activist, anti cultists while he was there. Yes. Um, He's lovely. He's
1: lovely. And he ended up educating the rabbi, which was good, but... He said, yes, it's an issue, it really is. And then I would see busloads of kids being taken to some church, something in the mountains. And I remember I learned, I would ask these kids, do you know where you're going? We're going to a a weekend away. I said, no, do you know where you're going? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're going to the mountains. Do you know where you're going?
0: Yeah, and this was before cell phones with location services, I should add.
1: Yeah. And I knew, I said, what's the name of the organization? Do you have contact information? Do your parents know where you're going? I mean, I, I'm their age, but here I'm feeling like I'm a chaperone because yeah, I had information and I saw how also people don't ask questions, how they mm. trust. Mm. And I knew some of these people were not going to be continuing on in school because they were getting involved in something that was going to pull them away. And yep. that wasn't told to them ahead of time. So It just continued where I just kept seeing the evidence of it in front of me, and when I started at the cult clinic in LA, and had my first person who was a Scientologist who had climbed out of a window in one of the buildings, and she was on the RPF and the Rehabilitation Project Force, and she was scared out of her mind, and I didn't know, I didn't know Scientology to that degree. And so she was explaining to me what that was. And then she went back. She checked to see if... uh, She also asked me if I was going to put electrodes on her. I mean, Mm. all the things she had been told about... Programmed phobias
0: against mental health professionals. Right.
1: I remember meeting with her. I had to keep the door open, which I'm happy to do. I do a lot for a lot of former cult members who have been held against their will. We do a lot of work with the door open or on a bench outside. Um, And... She was seen coming back into the building, um, and was grilled until she said where she went. And so then I became this known person on, you know, their mm, naughty list. Yeah, your dad uh, was
0: on their list at the very beginning, having started the LA cult clinic. And I remember yes. ta- being asked by him to give a talk and help advise in the very early days uh, of the cult clinic. Right.
1: So. Right. Yeah, he was harassed by Scientology. He was also harassed by um, the Moonies and by Hare Krishna. There were, there were three groups that would sometimes call our home in the middle of the night. Mm. And I still remember being a little shaken by it when mm. I was growing up. And I, I'd say, Dad, what are you going to do? And he'd say, I'm going to go back to sleep and not let the bullies win. What are you going to do? Uh, and there was something so calm about that. Um, Your that dad was tried- like
0: that. He was very uh-huh. calm and cool, and very smart. He was a professional businessman, if I remember correctly. But he he mm-hmm. really was a sharp, sharp man. Miss him.
1: And yeah, I miss him. I miss him too. Yeah, he died way too young. And uh, but I try to. I think about that when I'm harassed. When mm. they try to complain to my board when they try to do whatever, have their hate sites against me, whatever it is, and have me followed. Mm. I think I think about that, you know, I'm gonna go back to sleep, not let the bullies win. And I had to not be as obvious for a while when my kids were young, because mm. I didn't want them to have to deal with someone outside our house. And sure. I, I wanted them to be old enough to give their consent, actually, sure. to have me continue doing this in, a, in any kind of public way. So until they were old enough, I didn't start a website. I didn't, you know, start the podcast. I really Mm -hmm. needed to find out if they were cool with what might happen. Um, I might add that's a very important
0: point that I tell my clients who want to be activists to really Mm -hmm. think about their children and Mm -hmm. to to really, you know, be considerate the way you are expressing you were um, about the relative benefits and risks and just. Putting your kids' well-being uh, at the top of the list. This mm. kudos to you.
1: Thank you. I yeah. I I, I wouldn't have felt right, mm. you know, because I knew that I was scared when I was younger, right. you know, with this, and I didn't want to scare them, and I didn't want them to be worried for me, right? Because I know my kids. So um, so yeah, it just had kind of continued, and I thought, well, this will be a nice adjunct, and and then it became really the work that I do every once in a while I have a I have a client who has gotten in touch with me because I've done work with the siblings of kids with special needs because I work with because I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist right and so I'm when they say oh we'd like to get some help because I have a son with autism or or I have a, uh, some difficulty with my teenage daughter I'm always waiting for the and we're going to be getting on the mothership. Like this other piece that I'm just to ready to beam for. up. Right. <laughs> right. And it doesn't come. And I think, oh, that's right. This is how most of the world is, you know, where things right. are just things. And you know, okay, la. I see them as sort of palate cleansers, you know, and I like doing that work too. <laughs> but
0: So funny, palate cleansers. <laughs> but I think that's, there's something in what you said that's wise that I want to highlight just for other therapists, because so many experience burnout because they, mm. they, they only take the most traumatized uh, clients right. guilty. Right. Uh, I can't yeah. tell you how many times I burned out and then said I need yeah. to take a chill out and not do this. But just having like regular clients with like yeah. normal problems is <laughs> it's a relief.
1: Right? Mm. Yeah, it is a relief. And it also helps me, it helps me keep things in perspective, that not mm. everyone is going through the stories right. that we hear. and, and also that um, things can also, and sometimes it's helpful because with things that are just sort of the normal problems, um, <clears throat> it helps me remember that some of the things we hear about really are intense and yeah. I've gotten desensitized to it. Mm. And I've had to let people know, I, if you ask me about a case, I might tell you about things that you're not used to hearing about. And I might say it in a very plain way because I've heard it so many times. Mm. Um, yes. And so I'll sometimes like with my podcast team, they'll I'll ask them to keep me in check. Like it, this person who wants to speak on the podcast and they want to talk about X, is that alarming to the general public? It's not alarming to me anymore. Right. And I need to. I need the feedback and to know what we might need to edit to make it palatable, sure. you know, because uh, I don't want to scare people away. Yeah. Um, I think
0: in general, it's great to have a team, to get feedback, to say, mm-hmm. you know. Steve mm-hmm. stop interrupting your guests. I'm like I know I have this bad problem. I'm I'm trying to be more conscious, but uh-huh. I have I'm so excited and I want to share and the person hasn't mm-hmm. stopped to take a breath yet and the points like going into the you know the next room but mm-hmm. uh, I'm it's a work in progress. So I've already interrupted you once, so I'm apologizing and I'm really trying to to be listening more well, and shutting off, but it's more. hard.
1: Yeah, I mean, I get excited also, and I'm like, oh, you know, sure. there are things that I want to <laughs> say, right? Um, and then also, there are also times people will pose, and you, I'm sure you have this problem. People will say, and I guess there's just no way to solve that, or there's no way to answer that question, and you're like, pick me, pick me, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I, mean, I know. Wait, no, I haven't. Yeah, been doing it uh, for 30 years. Hello. Uh-huh, 40 years, right. 47 yeah. years. Yeah. So I will, I'll often say, listen, I know you're saying these things as though they're hypotheticals, but there actually is an answer. Right. And if it hasn't been offered before to you, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I've just learned it from working with these people. Right. If you are wanting just to go through your list of questions that you think are unanswerable, Fine. But I'm making notes because there is actually an mm-hmm. answer. And so pick me, yeah. you know, when we're done and I'm happy to answer them. Um, yeah. and, and the other thing that I love to, besides the podcast, because mm-hmm. I get to hear not only people telling their stories, but from lots of other people who are doing this work and who are, who are, um, Trying to figure out what to do legally to to help people, people who are watching out for whole populations, people who are trafficked, people who are trying to help the law define consent. I mean, the these I that and people who are watching like the ADL who are watching what's happening politically, and Mm. you know, I want to I want to hear from people because I feel reassured mm. i mean maybe i do it selfishly i feel reassured knowing there are people who are working on these things and and hopefully making some inroads because so much needs to happen which we probably need to talk about today but one of the other things i want to mention is the support group that i do
0: please
1: i think i don't know who enjoys it more <laughs> it's like one of these things where I'm like, i just sort of drink it in when When I know that, and as you've experienced bringing people together or doing an an intervention or talking at a conference, when someone has felt supremely alone and not understood or judged or they've gone to therapy or other groups that Mm. were sort of adjunct but not quite matching what they were needing, Mm -hmm. that they can just talk and have people get it and you can see they just are breathing deeply like, huh, ah, finally, they can kind of relax. yep. Um, like they're in good company with people who understand. They don't have to explain themselves, they don't have to be worried about being dismissed or being misunderstood. Uh, it feels so good and I love those moments of hearing people also use their experience to support other people and I don't know, I just love I just love it.
0: Right. And I, I assume um, that you check people out before you put them together with others because yes. bad p- actors try to sneak in or people who are inappropriate yes. to be in a group setting. So talk a little bit yes. more about your your model, because I think it's really important.
1: So it, those I'm really glad you brought that up. So early on in my career at the cult clinic, before it was effectively shut down by not only by Scientology pressure, but by Tony Alamo, who was picketing out in front of it, who was this cult leader who since passed away. Who molested nice his person.
0: children and was guilty right. of trafficking in the Southern Poverty Law Center did a whole expose that got him locked up. Please continue. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, no, he was awful. And I remember he a oh, Rachel Andres and I would go to these shops where they were selling these jackets that his... Group members were making that had these studs on them and for celebrities, very right?
0: Rarely expensive, right. handmade, you know, sequins right. and whatever else jackets
1: for all of his unpaid, right. you know, For his slave labor, basically. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so he didn't like that we were informing shopkeepers about this that they were supporting someone who was an awful person. Yep. Uh, so in in any event, I remember doing a support group there, and having it be for former cult members, and I and two people showed up who said that they were former Christians, which isn't a cult necessarily. And, and I said, now tell me more about why you're here. And while they were there, while they're introducing themselves, they said that they were Scientologists. Mm. And um, they wanted to make sure to mention that they were Scientologists and that that's why they were there. And I said, you're not former, you're current Scientologists, yes, but we're former Christians. So I knew they're up to something, and right. I took them aside. And uh, I said, is the reason, because I'd already been through this once, is the reason that you mentioned that you're a Scientologist to make people on edge who are here who are Scientologists because now they know they're going to be watched and reported? Mm-hmm. Ex Scientologists. But also, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, that then if I tell you you can't be in the group, you can then say that it's religious persecution, that it's because you're Scientologists. So they looked at each other like, oh, got you know. their
0: number, Rachel.
1: <laughs> and I said, you know what? I actually don't care. And whatever happens, happens, but you can't go back in the room. Mm -hmm. And uh, because I knew there was someone there for the first time who had just left Scientology, was scared out of her mind that there was going to be someone there reporting back. It needed to be a safe place, Sure. and I didn't want the tricks. But yeah, so then there was a suit. I mean, you know, they make it impossible. Well, that's
0: what they used to close the Cult Awareness Network down was, you know, suing for membership in 20 different states exhausting the insurance fund, and Scientology so needs funny. to lose its tax exemptions status, and David Miscavige needs to go to jail as a trafficker and join Keith Raniere, in my oh, professional and the opinion. Stories.
1: Yes, I mean, the stories you hear about uh, uh, about David Miscavige and just the you know the sociopathy, just mm, you know, yep. just uh, it's sadistic. In any event, yes. So to go back to your question, yes, yes I vet people before I have a conversation with them. I try to get a sense of if I can also try to see them in person. Mm. If they say, no, I just want to talk on the phone, then I'm going to have to wonder why, but I want to gauge them. And sure. I, I um, and then also I reserve the right to have people not come back. Um, and, and yeah, for some people, sharing the time is just too hard because mm. um, yeah. they have more they need to talk about. And so sometimes I'll I'll offer them a couple of times just to talk privately, to talk more, to get more out before they come back to the group. But there are other people, too, who were leaders in like large group awareness trainings who I've noticed take over the group. Yes. Um, And then they start calling on other people to talk instead of (laughs) me. Uh, And they will say, well, we're I'm sorry for
0: laughing, but I totally get it. I totally. And understand. I'll
1: hear one of them say, "Well, we only have five minutes left." So, did anyone else want to say, "Like, wait well, I'm sorry, what?" But they—that's you know—they—they've had to learn, um, and I've had to guide them after. Like, this is not. Yeah,
0: you know, you're not in the cult anymore, and uh, you need to learn right. boundaries, please, as part of your right. healing.
1: Yes, mm. and I've what I have done too. Even though I, I, I do try to make sure to vet people as much as I can humanly do. Mm-hmm. I've let people know that they can participate. I reassure people that if if I've given someone the ability or the choice mm-hmm. to have right. their camera off or to not share, to not introduce themselves quite yet and just listen and see if they feel safe, mm-hmm. that that's okay for as long as they need to do that. And I wanna be able to let people know, even if you can't see this person, I know who they are. Uh-huh. Um, and I've talked to them and they're they're just needing a, a group session or two to feel comfortable enough to to appear mm-hmm. um, because of how they've been treated in the past or whatever else. Mm-hmm. Um, so it sounds it's, like it's virtual,
0: of... Rachel, your support group. So, is that because right. of COVID or is that because of this too yeah. many people that need your help?
1: So it's an interesting thing. It was in in my office and then what happened was when in my office I, people started contacting me from other places wanting to know if they could participate and one or two people then I would bring my laptop and and I would set them up like they're a person there right. and on a chair right um, and then it just got to be another person another person I thought this is now sure. getting to be too much of a mix of you know technology and in person it was too hard yeah it felt odd so um i now do it virtually and and it's given people a chance from now all over to to join and there's some parents and other loved ones who who are there wanting to talk as well Hmm. um wanting to hear from the former members about what helped them leave and if their parent had reached out to them what would have been a good way to do it or a bad way they sort of So that's for each other guidance.
0: That's fascinating. So in other words, it's a mixed group, including former members as well as family members.
1: Right. It started out just with former members. And Uh, then there was a a mom who wanted to, you know, uh, who found out about the group and said, can I join in one time just to see if I can ask them some questions? Because I have a little bit of contact with my loved one and I feel like I'm not doing it quite right. Mm. And I'd love to hear from people who've had the experience, Mm. if they can guide me. And I asked the people if they wouldn't mind taking some of their time Mm. to to share. And they actually... Some of them really kind of liked the idea Mm. um, of being able to use what they learned to help someone else. So Mm
0: -hmm. it's a
1: mix. It's much more, I'd say it's like an 80-20 split with 80 former members, but there are some parents. So is
0: there a top limit of how many people you can have at one time?
1: Um, so just to make sure that everyone has enough time to talk and it's a 90 minute group, I, I limit it to about 10 to 12. And if it's more than that, I'll extend the time to two, two hours. Mm -hmm. Um, if people have the time and if they want to stay on, Mm um, mm, but yeah, I mean, dealing with things also where, like if someone's late or they're running late, and then I'll get a text. I, I don't know if I should join. I don't want to show that I'm not with integrity. Hmm. Uh, I don't want to be yelled at because I'm late. All the all the conditioned responses of fear that um, I help people just deal with. Like if they cut out, a lot of people initially like if if they're late, they were late coming to my office. They'd be too afraid to come in
0: from mm. um, the cult. You um, mean. I mean.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because that they would have been berated. Right. That would have been the topic, even though it was beyond their control. Right. I've needed to assure people that they're not going to be talked about when they're not there. Mm-hmm. Um, because of what they've been through also being shamed in person and also in their absence. Mm-hmm. Um and that I'm not going to be contacting them in between the groups. Um, that I'm not going to be... Oh, and also, if I ask a question, they don't have to answer it. Mm-hmm. And we've had to actually do some role play with that. Mm-hmm. Um, because they didn't believe me that that would be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a liberating thought that just, someone, just because someone asks you a question doesn't mean you have to answer it. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of a new one for a lot of people, especially born and raised mm-hmm. in cults. Um, so... Yeah, so can I ask a few more
0: questions? Because part please of what do, I, I'm excited about oh, is yeah. to share with the public
1: mm-hmm.
0: different experts' approaches to healing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. helping uh, former victims recover is one of the things I think of you as one of the most experienced people on the planet frankly Mm. and i do want to say that there are some people walking around who say you can't really be a good therapist if you're not a former cult member and i'm like no i don't think so but you have to Mm want to learn and you have to have a high degree of empathy and compassion and be a good listener you know
1: right and have humility i i would never come in to say i know i know how you feel or i know what that feels like i've never said that cuz i don't no one and does and i haven't right and no one does especially right. right but to have the humility to come from a place i know it's coming from behind like no this was not my own experience right but i want and i want to be able to be a resource because i there were so few people doing it right um but anyway, yeah, it, so yeah, I've had I've learned most uh, in terms of the practical work from the clients and just taking notes yeah. about what worked and what didn't after each time. Yeah, and
0: then you notice patterns, right, between mm-hmm. the different mm-hmm. clients. So is your meetings with former members weekly? or is it like a 10 session? run or like do you have rolling mm-hmm. uh admissions as people you know in a sense don't need it anymore and want to take a break can you say a little bit more about your
1: right what? so there are different things that have worked over the years so uh um for a while i was doing an eight session meeting where mm-hmm. people signed up for eight sessions paid for eight sessions and then they wanted it structured that each meeting, well, of course, the the thing that's most important is for people to talk about what's on their mind or sure. some, some things time dated, like they're dealing with something coming up soon that, you know, that that gets precedence. But then they wanted a subject, mm-hmm. like whatever it was that they wanted to be able to hear about or uh, take or, you know, Cialdini's yeah, you know, influence. Themes right.
0: and and strategies and skills. Yeah, I can relate right. to that. Go on.
1: Um, so that worked with certain people, mm-hmm. and then other and people who really liked it to be structured. It made them feel safe, mm-hmm. also knowing that it was structured. There was going to be an end to it mm-hmm. uh, because there had been messiness at the ends of things for them before when it wasn't clear. There was the expectation that mm-hmm. somehow they were going to still continue on, even though they were just told it was going to be let's say for a certain amount of time. So uh, to model that eight sessions was going to be eight sessions and that it wasn't just going to well if you know if you really are committed to this work you'll continue. I'm not going to play that. All right. But I would just start fresh and say I'm going to have another eight, yeah. you know, and we can start again. But others what what happened was that when people started joining there then wasn't enough time for people to to do two things. One is that when there were more people participating, there wasn't enough time then for me to bring up my subject because it was going to take the place right. of people talking about what was really on their mind. And so I, I realized it's too hard to do both with a larger group. Right. Um, and I don't want to assume that what's on my mind is more important than what's on theirs. Um, but also then there were people who took many sessions just to feel comfortable enough. Right. And so eight it w- it might seem like a lot for someone else, but not someone who's really been burned mm-hmm. and is scared. Right. And sometimes it was only by the eighth that they felt comfortable. So I, I might do that model again at some point mm. and I might have it concurrent mm. where I do both models for different groups and people can choose what works for them best. Mm. Cause I think it, Again, for some, it really did feel good and others, it didn't quite work. So now it's more open-ended and it's every other week. Mm-hmm. Um, although I think I could probably do it every week, but it's every other week for now and it's an hour and a half and it's in the evenings mm. and it's on Zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and then... Um, I just use that as an opportunity instead of bringing up a subject, unless they have a subject in mind that they want right. to ask me about, I'm happy to. I just let them know about conferences coming up, about other organizations I'm finding out about that would be interesting, right. for that could offer them other support, sort of other resources. Mm-hmm. So we spend the first like 15, 20 minutes having people go around and introduce themselves if there's anyone new. Mm. And again, they can choose to not say anything and to pass um, and that's okay. And, um, and then during their introduction, if there's something they want to make sure to talk about or ask about, I'll make a note of it and then come back to them. Mm-hmm. And I'll just try to be mindful of the time that we,
0: mm-hmm. you know. So I have another question every, for, yes, for my listeners. So yes. um, unlike cults, uh, I am curious about how you handle uh, people sharing their names and their contact information, as well as keeping them to confidentiality—that everything that happens in the room stays on the Zoom room, stays in the Zoom room, and not recorded and things like that.
1: Right. Okay. So the not recorded part, right. I wish I could control what anyone might be doing, you know, like under the table, they might be recording things and they could still be doing that in person, you know, in their wallet or purse. Or
0: they could be using a screen recorder these days is what I've learned about.
1: Right. Absolutely. Right. So what I have let people know is that I can try to assure as much as I'm able. Yeah that I am going to try to keep their information in-house, that I'm going to make sure the group knows that this is information that is shared and that he, among us and needs to not be taken out anywhere else. But that I also want them to be realistic about the fact that we can't guarantee. And if there's anything that they think is really going to put them in danger, yeah. or if they are not out yet to the group and right. they're worried that this going to get back and it's going to really ruin their life in some way. It's not worth it. Right. And that's something they can just talk to me privately yeah, about. Yeah, it's
0: not appropriate to be public even in a private Zoom session.
1: Right. And just I cuz I can't make a promise that I can't keep and that I can't and with other people involved, I can't a- right. assure them. Um, but I I will hope that people kind of come to Mm, trying to meet the standard of protectiveness that I try to convey for right. the people in the group towards each other. right? Um, and then with people putting their names on the screen, I mean, they can actually call themselves whatever they want. And I call them by whatever it is. And it could be initials. Right. There's There are a couple of people also who were renamed within their cult. Mm. And they have used each group as a way to try out a new name. Hmm. And they've asked me to put their name as the host. I can put whatever name they say right. uh, under their, you know, with their uh, face. Yeah, And they try it out. Like they hear people call them that to see if it fits. And so they're trying out this sort of identity as part of the group, which is interesting.
0: Fascinating.
1: Um, and... Um, and yeah, and there's some people I notice as they get more comfortable, they then will change to have their name, their real name. Mm-hmm. And that's when I see that they're trusting the space, you know, more and or enough to do that, or at least thinking that if something were to happen, they could handle it. Right. Like, you know, um, but I blind copy everyone on the reminders. And if someone wants to be in touch with someone else, Privately, or they have such a similar story and they really want to connect, I'll just get permission from both parties um, to be in touch with each other separate from the group.
0: So you're the gatekeeper. Do you have a chat I'm function a happening or an yeah. emo- emotional uh, emoticons or emojis? Uh, that right. People can yeah. Use to? And
1: right. So some people, if they know how to be in touch with or they know the person's actual name, they'll ch- send a private chat right. to them and um, or they'll send something to me saying I'm fine with you giving out my email to so and so. Great. And but yeah, they have to they have to go through me. I, I just just to add, to add an extra layer Great. <laughs> of protection. So
0: I wanna I wanna move if we can. This is yeah, yeah, our, our time is flying by. and We can yeah. talk for hours, but I know that um, we've done some cases with. Uh, uh, people over 18 who were to- mm-hmm. totally mind-controlled, trafficked. Um,
1: right. And
0: I know you've been asked to be an expert witness, and you, in, in the bio you were consulting with DOJ. Can you talk about, because you know I went and did my doctorate because I want to update the law and make it mm-hmm. like a recognizable, mm-hmm. definable thing instead of this nonsense Oh, it's a slippery slope. We can't decide if anyone's exerting undue influence. It's like, please, it's 2023. Do you read the news? Do you know how many people think that Putin's a good guy and that the election was stolen still or QAnon is a great, you know, valid uh, concept? So anyway, I want to hear a little bit of the nuggets of your wisdom on this phenomenon. Mm. And- and and any if there's any lawyers listening, judges listening, uh, mm-hmm. people who want to change the law that are looking for you know a hot cause to get behind and fund. Yes, please. Yes,
1: absolutely. And there was a woman who was on my podcast, Carol Murchison, who um, who contacted me to to talk about what she's doing, and she's now focusing on spiritual abuse cases with um people who are uh doing um you know sort of meditation and um other kinds of yoga so she's a lawyer and she's a lawyer and now she's part of a practice that is specifically dealing with spiritual abuse cases so i i was very happy to meet her and Uh, She's probably overwhelmed now with the amount of cases that I've sent her. Good. Um, I'll pass along that information to you, too. But there may be others like her, and there probably are. I just don't know of them. I wish I knew of more people. Um, The latest case that I did that was very frustrating because of the law. Yep. It's just, it's, oh. Okay, so... I'll try to keep it really short because this was about a year-long thing. I was contacted by the Department of Justice to deal uh, through a victim's assistance program to work with women who had been in La Luz del Mundo.
0: Oh. And yeah, tell they, the listeners about that cult. Horrible.
1: So oh horrible group. So now the leader is in jail. He's the son of the original leader, and they had they were trafficking young girls through these underground tunnels um, where they had to do a lot of things and sexual abuse. Sexual abuse, they had to with the, their the money that they made through basically he pimped them out. Yeah. and with that money he needed to buy he, they needed to buy sexy outfits to dance for him. To turn him on when they're eight, nine, ten. I mean, I Sounds I, like I could go.
0: Bose's David Berg and the Children of God. Yes, yeah.
1: yes, and then he would drive them, or his limo driver would drive them to abortion clinic. Um, they'd wait outside, the girls would go in, they'd get yelled at or screamed at by the doctors or nurses there for being whores, mm. then have to go back into the limo and go back and have the same thing happen. And the families, by and large, were proud that their daughters were chosen because he was God. Mm. So knowing that I'm you know, dealing with this population of girls who are now 18, 19, 20, right. trying to figure out how to live their lives, how to you know and and they knew they were going to need to face him in court. Yeah. And they didn't yeah. know what to do. So they wanted me to do some counseling for these girls. Many of whom opened up right away to me, some of whom took a while, they were very scared. Sure. And they had to hide from their families to talk to me because some for some of them their families were still involved. Right. Um the problem that happened was though suddenly they decided to cut off funding for this, that they had signed me up for with them. And uh, I was already working with them for about four or five months and they had just started to really trust me. And I, hearing some of these stories, I mean, it was just, yeah, I know the group. It's terrible. Um, Suddenly I got a letter the same day they got a letter. Okay. We think you're done. Uh, The the court case wasn't going to be for another about four or five months. And they were just working up towards, we were we were going to be talking about sort of role-playing. Imagine that you see him in court right? and you still think he's God. What do you do? How do you manage your emotions, your breathing? Right. We couldn't get to any of it because mm. suddenly it was cut off. And I appealed and I contacted them and they said, no, we think this is enough. <laughs> like for a whole lifetime of abuse, four months was fine to, you know, and I ended up, continuing to work with them for free because I couldn't l- drop them
0: yeah I hear um,
1: you. and they they said we're fine we're gonna refer them to someone else we have on our contact list and I said can I see the contact list and it was this old like mimeographed list and some of these numbers they it was like before there were zip codes <laughs> and area codes like they there it was so old right. And so these girls were calling numbers and this person's out of business and this is they just hear a dial tone. They couldn't find anyone. And then finally they may have found someone who knew nothing about cults and undue influence and manipulation, but just someone who they could afford to see. So I said, never mind. I'm gonna continue until this trial talking to these women. Some ended up wanting to pay me privately through work that they had gotten. I said, please just just make it through the court date. That will be my payment. Mm and then he he got very little i mean a very little it was a very short sentence uh, like maybe 16 years and then he would be off sooner for good behavior terrible what he did you know was really horrible but the law was just not there wasn't a system in place that they could sort of neatly just find themselves in and protected by they had to keep pushing and i had to keep pushing and even people at the at the victims department, this this place, they were frustrated. They're like, we we're we're trying to really push for these girls, but there's nothing we can do. And they're saying they're fine now, And even though they didn't uh, talk to any of them. Mm. So they just had limited funding, I guess, and they wanted the funding to go somewhere else. Um, and then I found out later, I said, I had to find out, I actually contacted an attorney at my own expense to try to find out what happened. And it turns out that the person in charge of that department who was overseeing it um, retired. They then had a new person and just through a lapse in paperwork, it wasn't picked up as something to be funded. Right. And so they just decided to tell the girls they were done. Uh, that makes so more there sense. Was just there was
0: no continuity. No and they probably have no budget hundred. cuts would be my guess also. Right. It's in another yeah. thing. Rachel, do you know Marcy Hamilton?
1: No, I don't. So
0: um, I just did an interview with her for the podcast, and uh, she asked me to speak to a law school class at UPenn. Mm. But she's someone that you should know about. She's the CEO of ChildUSA.org.
1: Um, Oh, yeah. And
0: she's joined the lawsuit against uh, Miscavige and Scientology on behalf of the Uh, three uh, children who were trafficked, who are suing. Right. Uh, And her think tank is for children. And what I learned last week when I interviewed her is they now define children as 25, not 18. Oh, thank God. Because we know the neurosciences. People need more time to grow their frontal mm-hmm. cortex and to find mm-hmm. out, you know to really develop. We're mammals, but we are humans and we we're not mature at 18. And uh, anyway, she's yeah. a godsend and people donate to her and they should because she she wrote God versus the gavel, like she clerked for Sandra Day O'Connor. She's Ooh. a very smart, activist great woman and um and okay. and and so anyway for the future uh great resource and even if the people are 25 30 now it, but the abuse happens when they were a minor it still counts wow. cause she's been working to lift the statute of limitations around the country
1: God, I wonder, oh, that's an incredible thing to 25. I wonder maybe they won't send people to war to fight until they're 25.
0: So so it's a can of worms, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Because the CIA Mm -hmm. doesn't want the public to know, oh, Mm -hmm. we know about psyops. We've been doing it for decades on other countries. And people like Mike Flynn are doing it on us in the United States for the Christian right because they want to impose their view of religion on the rest of us. That and take away women's right to choose and gay rights, um, so the whole psyops piece is another big can of worms. Nobody wants to talk about it. No one wants to talk about my former cult being involved with intelligence operations with the Korean CIA and the American CIA. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm. I, it hasn't stopped me because you know <laughs> what the. Good. You know, it's, I, 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 I look to your dad as one of my early um, role models, if I may, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Um, it ain't right. And I can do it. I have been blessed with intelligence and privilege and, 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 uh, and so I, I do it for everybody else too. I, like yes. the planet Tikkun Olam, you know, that's a Jewish right. term for repairing the world. The world right. needs a lot of repair, and um, you know, I I went on another rant. Forgive me, but uh, we... no,
1: but it does. There's so much that needs to be done, yeah. and you know, there no one, and no one should be bored right now. There's always <laughs> something to do. There is more to do than we have time to do. so, right. um, everyone needs to get busy if they're if they're having free time and feeling down about it. Oh, please, 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 please get involved in something, whatever it is.
0: Yes, um, amen. okay. amen to that. And mm-hmm. I want to circle back to the very beginning we were talking about bringing the world back to civility and common yes. sense., yeah. and you know, and I know the most powerful way to teach is to role model to the extent that we're able to. Be courteous yeah. and kind and humble, and you know, I I was on a train to New York. I was being interviewed, and a, an elderly person was trying to lift their you know luggage and put it in the thing. Nobody's <laughs> moving. So I just got up and moved <laughs> it, and and uh-huh. but everybody was looking at me, huh? And I was like,
1: wow. they needed help to. Wow.
0: But I I didn't like shame anybody. I just acted like, of course, that's the natural right thing to do, you know? And I think that's what we need to do. And now there's all brain research about how good it makes us feel for doing nice things. (laughs) And it makes other people replicate it and pass it on to other people. So there is a positive contagion effect by social modeling.
1: Oh, absolutely. I'm sure all the times that you hear thank you, right? I mean, it just settles into a nice place in your heart. Totally. Yeah. And it can feed you and it can be a nice balancer for the times that you're given a lot of crap. Well, that's (laughs) exactly right. Because
0: we we Um, both get harassed and you know, I just open a letter with all kinds of obscene, nasty things oh. from a Trump oh. person. But oh. I you know, yeah. I get an email or a message, your book helped me so much, or thank you for your nice. podcast or whatever. So it's like way neutralizes any of the junk.
1: And and what I think too, even though I, you know. I want everyone to read all of your books. Um, Your lexicon, I mean, you know, The Cult of Trump, has been adopted. Yeah. And I don't know if people are giving you credit for that. Um, No. But that's become the way people have understood it, thank goodness, since your book.
0: Yeah, but I still hope people will read it, and if they don't have the money... Go to the library, and I I actually have recordings of me reading it for free at your library. It actually gives an explanatory framework for what's happening today. I mean, I I asked Simon & Schuster if I could do an updated edition, and they were Mm -hmm. like, no, we think people are are weary of Trump. And I'm like, excuse me? You don't (laughs) think there's a market? for understanding Mm-mm. what's happening and how to fix things. But anyway. Right.
1: No. Wow. Well, anyway, it's, I mean, it's always so good to talk to you. We, there's. I As I talked to you, I realized that we could be talking for days. Uh, there is so much to talk well, let's about. Let's do it again just,
0: soon. Yeah, and, I would love that. And um, we need more Rachel Bernstein's on the planet. So if you're listening <laughs> to this and, Thinking I'm going to have to declare a major in college. You know, I'm inclined to becoming a therapist or a social worker or somebody. Uh, Mm -hmm. What do you think? I'm like, yeah, we need more people, please. But understand it's not an easy population, you you know, because it, it is what it is. But there's, in my opinion, nothing more vital than understanding undue influence.
1: Right. And bringing people back to having the freedom to be themselves, to live their lives, to have agency, right. to think their own thoughts, to be who they were maybe supposed to be yes. before they got derailed. Um, then it, then other things are possible, but with that, nothing's possible. Yep. Um, so, yeah. So if people are interested, please, yes. I wish there were a way to kind of do a f- full-scale training yeah, I we mean, will
0: to... we'll do more. Okay, I good. I already put a course up, you know, a foundational course, but it's me talking to powerpoints and showing some videos, but we need to do, you know, yeah, a lot more. And I want to circle back as we wrap up just to you being a BU at Dean Thornberg who mm-hmm. used to have us speak uh, to freshmen and transfer students to warn them to, to let, you know, hand out leaflets. If you mm-hmm. get uh, queried and be invited to something before you mm-hmm. go, check with us because we may have a mm-hmm. file on them. And there's a Hulu special coming out February 9th on the Larry Ray Sarah Lawrence cult. Yes. Where this mm-hmm. con artist, narcissist, trafficker, he's been convicted to to uh, trafficking and racketeering to 60 years in jail he moved into his daughter's dorm room and took over Mm -hmm. all of her friends for 10 years and trafficked at least one or two of them. So it's still happening people. It's not the Mm seventies only.
1: Mm -mm. No. And it's something the college knew nothing about. Uh, I, I talked to some of the people who were in it, some of the people who were interviewing some of the people who were in it and, and someone who wrote a book, Dan Levin, Yeah. Right. Yeah. So he was on the show and he also had, he was like shaking his head like, how, what? And it was right under the noses of, you know, of this college. Uh, And there's some places that really do give kids free reign and it's a wonderful open kind of environment, but sometimes too open. Sometimes there's not enough Oversight and people watching what's happening, you know. And but even if they are there, they find a way to somehow get away with it. So, your point is well taken, it's still happening in different forums, and people are getting derailed from their lives. And, um, and Dan and was losing. afraid,
0: he said, to tell anyone about his experience for years and couldn't call yeah. it a cult for years until right. he started opening that door. <laughs> But he said writing the book was so therapeutic for him because it got yeah. it out of his head. And he was a poetry major in, in mm. 19. thats I was 19 and a poetry major. So I said, when mm. I read your book, it reminded me of me when I was right. 19 and I got sucked into the Moonies. And, it, and frankly, it makes me want to write again, just... He was inspiring to me. So that was sweet. Oh, nice. Yeah. Very nice. So Rachel Bernstein, really thank you. Indoctrination, thank her you. podcast. Mm. Yeah. Uh, what's your website again, please?
1: Uh, RachelBernsteinTherapy.com. And yeah, and, and new um, episodes come out the podcast every Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their bonus episodes for the patreon supporters and uh, and some fun merchandise which has been really cute great um but yeah it's so good to talk to you and thank you so much I, there need to be more Steve Hassens. I don't know if that's possible but we can try
0: i uh, uh, uh. don't we don't need any more of me but there, we need more <laughs> other unique selves to take them. Take yes. the, the 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 gauntlet is the gauntlet or the goblet or I don't know something, something and move, to move have, things forward right
1: yeah. and to have tenacity yeah. so thank you for your tenacity. <laughs> Thanks
0: so much, Rachel Bernstein. That's it for today's episode of the Influence Continuum. I've been your host, Dr. Stephen Hassan. Theme music for the podcast is by Nasser Malik. To keep up to date with me and happenings that I think are important, please visit my website at freedomofmind.com. There you'll find in-depth articles about cults, mind control, and other relevant topics. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at cultexpert. If you want to develop a comprehensive understanding of these topics, I highly recommend my books, Combating Cult Mind Control, Freedom of Mind, and The Cult of Trump, in that order. These books are a culmination of 45 plus years of experience and will really help you grasp the complex web of undue influence. I have also launched a new nine-hour online course for anyone interested in a deep dive into issues related to recovering from undue influence in all forms. While this course is designed for clinicians, everyone can benefit. If you're a former member, I congratulate you for your bravery and invite you to use the hashtag, I Got Out, and join our online community at igotout.org. Remember, love is stronger than mind control, and thanks for listening.